0: And remember, quoting is for the week. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. My name is Charles Specht, and I am your host. I'm so thankful that you are with us today because I am going to tell you how to write 50% more commission in one year. How to write 50% more commission in one year. You know what? One of the things that I am always trying to be very careful about is that I don't want anyone to sort of think that I'm coming across with a get-rich-quick scheme. You know, I talk about broker of record letters a lot. Obviously, I even have the URL, brokerofrecordletter.com, agentofrecordletter.com. I focus a lot on broker of record letters. But it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. The broker of record letter is something to actually focus on. Absolutely, without question, you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't focus on it. Because at the end of the day, if you can't get somebody else fired, you will never get hired. But I teach a lot of other things other than just the broker of record letter because there's a lot of times in which you're going to go through a normal quoting process or it's just not on the table for discussion at this time. There's a lot of things that you as a producer do from start to finish. From the very beginning of deciding what type of an account you want to go after, to prospecting, to scripting, to meeting with the insured, to putting together submissions, negotiating with the underwriters, even determining which order of presentation you're going to come to offer your quotes, and then finally getting down to asking for the business, them telling you yes, getting a signature or actually a deposit check and a signature on your bind order. So there's a lot of things that take place in between that entire process. And you know as much as I do that the the buying window, the sales cycle for the insurance policy renewal, is kind of a long one, You know, about 90 to 120 days of an actual sales cycle. And it can even be longer than that, depending upon how often you are or how far in advance of the policy renewal that you're working with these particular accounts. So it actually takes place um, over the course of time, but the thing is is that I want to talk to you about the time that you use in order to actually write more commission. How you can write more commission in an amount of time that is about a year, but it's going to give you about upwards of 50% more revenue. 50% more revenue. That is the potential. That is what we're talking about. How to write 50% more commission in one year. Now, this morning, I actually put out a, a little post on LinkedIn, and I want to talk about this because I put out, in essence, 20 different things that you have to focus on in order to actually win that business. There's a lot more. Um, and I've been spending some time even putting together content that really focuses upon these things. But there are 20 different ways at least that I'm going to kind of run through very quickly about what you need to do as you create this so that you can have a 50% more winning of commission over the course of the next year. And here's what it really gets down to. It gets down to creating value growth in your own sales structure, getting better, getting stronger, getting more e- experienced and equipped. Here's the thing. If you could get if you could get better at your sales process by just 1% every single week, you'd be 50% improved at winning new business after just 1 year. And that's really how I come down to how to write 50% more commission in one year. Look, if we can just take one week at a time and you can just get 1% better every single week in your personal growth, in your sales growth, in your business growth as an entrepreneur, 1% every single week. I'm not talking 1% every hour, not even 1% every single day, but just 1% better at at prospecting and selling and closing business 1% better on a week every week you'd be 50% improved if you will 50% better even after 1 year how much additional revenue do you think you could win in 1 year if you were 50% better right now if you were 50% better than you are right now how much you figure it out. How much revenue do you typically generate in a year? If we could just take that 50% growth and put it into a financial equation, if you will, if you normally write, let's just say it's $100,000 a year, then maybe if you actually focus on getting 1% better every single week, you might end up writing $150,000 of revenue by just focusing on getting better at some of these things. And so when it comes down to it, we have to talk about the importance of positioning. We have to understand the issue of compound interest as these things are stacked upon one another. So this idea of positioning, you are continually positioning yourself with your prospect and you are either getting closer to the sale or further away from the sale. In the insured's mind, you have a stock price. That stock price is either increasing or it's decreasing based upon things you're doing or not doing behind the scenes. Also, your stock price is either increasing or decreasing based upon what the incumbent agent does or any other agents who come in here and are offering quotes on, that, on your prospect's business. So there is compound interest that is accruing in your position with the insured and it's based upon things you're doing or not doing. And the problem is that most of the time, insurance agents, well, we tend not to do the things that we could or should be doing. And um, we actually then start doing things that actually begin to hinder our ability to write business. So I want to talk to you about how you might actually start getting better 1% a week in just some of these different things that I'm going to go through. And if you can really start getting better at these, you're probably going to write more business. Now, I want you to, th- to even think about it, it as a big funnel Okay, picture in your mind a big funnel, right? People might talk about their sales funnel or whatever it is. It could be even just a funnel that you're putting oil inside the engine of your car, a funnel there is, um, at the bottom of the funnel, there's the the very small hole that comes out. At the top of the funnel, there's the big hole, and it holds a lot. And so as you're pouring things into the big part of the funnel, at the bottom, you get the stuff that goes into where it's ever supposed to go. That's the funnel here. The thing is, is that when you're putting more into the funnel, more is actually coming out. You can still get things to come out of the bottom of the funnel if you are just sort of dripping into the top of the funnel. But if you are absolutely pouring into the funnel, then you're going to get the most possible coming out at the bottom of the funnel. Not mere drips, but as much as possible. See, the thing is, is I want you to increase your prospecting abilities, your sales abilities, your closing ratio, so that it's not just dripping out of the bottom of your funnel, but it's actually pouring out in max, at maximum capacity. And so you need to start working at getting 1% better, please listen to me, you need to start working at getting 1% better per week in each of these areas that I'm going to talk about right now. And again, as I said, I'm going to go through these pretty quick and then I'm going to start wrapping it up because these are just various areas that I've sort of written down that are kind of the beginning of, a prospe- beginning of your prospecting up to the point of actually closing the business and being awarded the sale. Right there's a lot of other things that are in here, a lot of other things. But if you could just get one better at each of these, or one better, one uh, percent better at one of these every single week, right? What if you just got better at your prospecting fifty percent over the course of a year? How much better would that be? What if you got better at appointment setting or actually running an appointment fifty percent better over the course of a year? How much more would you actually be writing in a year? So here's the thing. First and foremost. I want you to start thinking about how you might be able to get better, 1% better, in order to achieve a 50% growth over the course of a full year. When we start out by trying to figure out how to sell, or how to prospect, or how to even do insurance production, if you will, I would tell you that you might want to start with the size of the account you will prospect going forward. So this is point number one. Start thinking about it. How can you get better at achieving the size of the prospect you want going forward? Now this is all the policies combined. Okay, property casualty, you might be talking about general liability, auto, work comp, property, in the marine, excess liability, cyber, crime, whatever it is, um, employee health benefits, it might be talking about medical and, and dental and vision and anything else, life insurance you might be throwing in there, but the size of the account that you will prospect going forward. you got to start thinking about it, okay? Start thinking about that. Get better at trying to figure that out, okay? The second point here is micro niche selection. The first one is that you're trying to figure out the size of the account. The second one here is now what industry, if you will, are you going after? And I would say it's much more of a narrowed focus than an industry. Construction is an industry. A micro-niche is plumbing. Even more than that, a micro-niche might be residential plumbing, right? So getting very, very focused on being your micro-niche expert. I mean, at the end of the day, you can probably only handle servicing about 75 clients, Okay? Everyone's number is a little bit different. Maybe yours is 35 clients and then you're overwhelmed based upon the types of accounts you're going after. Maybe it's 150. Maybe it's 100. But I would say on average, 75 clients is probably what you can actually handle. Anything above and beyond that, you're going to feel overwhelmed and you're just not going to be able to do it. You're going to start losing business just because you're not servicing it appropriately. So the thing is, is if your number is 75, you don't need to have 4,000 prospects in your database. You don't need to be all things to all people. You need to be the and most obvious choice of which agent to do business with in your small little circle, your pool, your micro-niche selection. So that's really where we kind of need to focus, is trying to figure out a better position in regards to your micro-niche selection. That's the second one. The third one now is creation of your value differentiation. Creating your value differentiation. In other words, what makes you different than me? What makes you different than your competition? What makes you different from other agencies? What is your value differentiation? And I would tell you that we would probably begin to describe the value differentiation in a 12-month timeline of services. The 12-month timeline of services, as mentioned previously on my podcast here, Uh, Which, by the way, if you haven't already, thanks for subscribing. You definitely should subscribe. would love for you to go and give us a five-star review on iTunes or uh, wherever you're actually listening to it, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, I don't care. Go and give a five-star review if you could. But we're talking now about value differentiation. That's the 12-month timeline of services. The timeline of services is what you're showing to your prospect about what you and your team are going to provide to them over the course of 12 months. That is the creation of your value differentiation. Most agents have no idea what is different about them, what separates them from the competition. So start figuring it out. Start figuring it out. 1% better every week. Can you get 1% better every single week by defining and clarifying your value differentiation? I think you could. The fourth one. Channels for branding and marketing of your program to the prospects in your micro niche. You gotta get better at branding and marketing, whatever it is that you're going after in your micro niche. We have to do a better job of putting ourselves out there. You cannot be unknown. You cannot be behind the scenes. you got to be out, out, uh, forward-facing, in front of your prospects, in front of your clients regularly. You need to be seen. You need to be heard. You need to be uh, face-to-face with them. You need to be going to different networking events. All of that kind of stuff. You need to actually have a personal brand that is attached to you that is really going to resonate with the type of account you're trying to market to. You have to have that brand. If not, You are irrelevant. Yep, I said it. I said it. If you don't have a brand that resonates with your prospects, you are irrelevant. So that's the fourth one. Branding and marketing. The fifth one now, scripting and messaging. So when it comes to the branding aspect or the marketing, I want to now talk even a little bit further about it in regards to scripting and messaging. What do you say? What do you say in your cold call? What is your script? What's the carrot that you offer to your prospect? What do your emails look like? What what are being said in your emails? Do you even have an email campaign? Frankly, it's amazing how many insurance agents, even in today's day, day and age, don't have an email campaign do not have anything in which they are even sending to their prospects regularly, consistently, that are based upon email, let alone social media or networking events or anything else. They just really don't have much. And so we got to figure out what is the message. Because if the message is clear, if it actually helps them solve a problem, it's going to resonate with them. I'm just telling you that if you have the right script and the right message, you are doing your prospects a, a disservice if you don't get it out in front of them. So that's the fifth one. That sixth one now is ways in which you will prospect, right? So we talked about the need for branding. We talked about just now about scripting. But how are you going to actually prospect, right? So there's only so many ways in which you can prospect, You can use the telephone, you can make cold calls, you can send emails, you can do walk-in visits, you can use social media. You might even put on um, seminars or classes. You can go to networking events. You can meet with clients or other centers of influence and try to get referrals. You might use text messaging right now to actually get your message out. Or maybe even a little bit of snail mail that actually goes through the normal postal system. Right, But you have to have ways in which to prospect. I would tell you that you're not getting even close to the results that you could be getting if you have a singular focus on the platform in which you prospect. If you're only doing cold calls, I would tell you that you are probably about 50% of what you could be. I would tell insurance agents that you need to have at least two. Three is better. Four is amazing. Most agents don't even have two. It's like a three-legged stool. If you had a two-legged stool, you would fall over. But if you had a three-legged stool, you'll be safe, secure. So I would say, maybe it's cold calling. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it is also email. Those are the three you might use. Maybe you decide, you know what? It's going to be networking events and email and social media. Great. Whatever it is, pick three. Make it your stool. Three is awesome. Four is better. Two is not enough. One. You might be able to pay your bills, but you're never going to accumulate wealth. So the seventh one now, in which how to create a 1% increase every single week and make 50% more, if you will, be 50% even better at selling, the seventh one now is your follow-up system for prospecting. Do you have a follow-up system? Or are you just winging it? Do you really utilize your CRM? Or do you just log in every once in a while and just just enough to make the agency principal or your sales manager happy with you, but do you really have a follow-up system that you follow to the T? I'll tell you again, most insurance agents don't. They prospect when they want, and they do follow-up prospecting when they want, but they they really don't have a system for it. You need to create a system for it. If you get better, 1% every single week at your follow-up, I'm telling you, I believe the fortune is in the follow-up. That's really where things start to make a whole lot of sense. So having a very secure follow-up program for your prospects is one of the best things you could ever do. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. The eighth one, appointment setting. How good are you at setting appointments? How good are you at helping the insurer, the prospect, to see the value of meeting with you? You know, setting appointments is hard. And I would probably say that whenever I talk to an insurance agent and I ask, you know, what else do you feel you need? Or or what's the one thing that if you had it, you could probably, you know, do much better. And they'll always say, well, I just need to get more appointments. I say, well, welcome to the club. I mean, every single insurance agent out there would like to have more appointments. It's hard. It's very difficult to, because in essence, what you're doing, if you are trying to set an appointment with a prospect who really might not even know you, you're, you're kind of like a stranger to them. To meet with you for half an hour, 45 minutes, or an hour, to meet with a stranger, to talk about insurance, with someone they don't even know, about a subject they don't even like, something they hate paying for, they don't want to shop for, you're kind of asking for a lot. You know, if they're working, eight, for example, eight hours in a day, for you to take up one of those eight hours is asking for a lot. Appointment setting is difficult. Imagine if you could get 1% better at it every single week. What if you worked on just b- getting better at setting appointments? You might be then 50% better over the course of a full year. 50% better at setting appointments. Imagine how that would change your book of business. The ninth one, discovery in preparation for appointments. Most agents do very little discovery. And there's a sense in which I kind of have to raise my hand a little bit on this one back when I was an agent that I did some normal discovery, but I really didn't do a lot of discovery. I did mostly construction accounts, and so I would pull up their contractor license number, and I would take a look at their X mod, and I would see what it was, and you know I'd find out um, you know as much history as I could about the basics of it, but I probably didn't do as much discovery as I could have. I really didn't uh, do a ton of research on the people that I was going to speak to, and really kind of the backstory of the organization. And because of that, I actually think it probably hindered me at some points. So doing some sort of discovery in preparation for your appointment is necessary. What can you do better in order to be more prepared? That very much is, I think, a major issue that a lot of insurance agents need to focus on. Here's the 10th one. Let's say you set the appointment. You're finally getting a chance to meet with your prospect. What are you going to say in your appointment? What are you going to say? What's the first thing that's going to come out of your mouth You know, as you finally sit down in your chair and your prospect sits in his or her chair on the other side of the desk? What is the thing that comes out of your mouth? What question? What statement? Most insurance agents do not have a plan when it comes to how they're actually going to try and lead a prospect down the path that they want them to go. So I would tell you that there's a few different parts of the appointment process. The first one is just going to be trying to build that rapport. The second one is that you're going to be uncovering a lot of the cons, a lot of the problems in their micro niche industry. The third one is that you're going to try and uncover the problems that the insured is facing in his or her business in the next one to three years. Then you're going to switch it to insurance and you're going to try to uncover the pain that they have with their current insurance providers, that is the carrier and the policy or the plan that they're with, then the insurance agency, the producer, the customer service representative, the account manager, and any of the kind of people that are are servicing the policies. Then after you find out enough pains, you're going to present your timeline of services. You're going to show to them what you're going to do for them over the course of that 12-month period. And then at the end of your appointment, if you have done all of those things, uncovered significant pains, provided your timeline of services, then you should be well-positioned to ask for the broker of record letter. So then let's just say the next one, however, is that um, you're now left with a choice. Okay, You're left with a choice during the end of that, that meeting. You're trying to figure out am I going to be able to get the B of R? Or am I going to have to go through a quote and a competitive bid? Or are you going to choose to walk away? You know what? This is probably one of the more difficult things as well for insurance agents to do because because it's so hard to actually set appointments, choosing to walk away is one of the things that most agents don't do. And so whenever you're meeting with a prospect, at the end of that appointment, you're going to have to make a decision on what you're going to do here. You're either going to ask for the B of R and win it, or not get it, and then you have to make a choice on how you're going to handle that. But then you can just decide if you're going to quote in a competitive bid, which, you know what, I mean, that's kind of what most insurance agents you know, choose to do. It's not necessarily the best approach because the incumbent agent, on average, keeps the business 92% of the time, so you're already in a bad spot. Uh, but you can either win the BOR, quote, or choose to just wait, walk away. Not actually, quote, Go full. You know, instead of going forward down the process of doing all of that gathering of the data and so forth, just walk away. The twelfth one here of getting 1% better is that you need to require exclusive access to the carriers you need in order to be competitive. Look, you need to have access to the carriers you need. If you can't get access to the carriers you need, if the insured won't let you access the carriers you want that you need in order to be competitive, then I would say you're probably losing a lot. Can you get 1% better at that every single week? Can you get 50% better at that over the course of a year? Imagine how that would change your book of business. The 13th one here is get full buy-in. And by that, I mean a verbal guarantee from the insured regarding what you need to accomplish in order to win the business. And by winning the business, they have to fire the incumbent and hire you. Now, most agents do not do this. They do not have this very important but difficult conversation with their prospect. You need to actually get from them some kind of a a very secure answer where they're going on record saying, well, if you can accomplish A, B, and C, then indeed I will fire my other agent and I'll do business with you. That might be bettering the plan or bettering the policy. Um, It's probably going to require premium savings and so forth. Services that you're going to provide, you need to actually have them tell you what those are in order to be guaranteed the business. The next one here, number 14, is ensure that the incumbent agent does not get a last look. Is there a way that you could get 1% better at this every single week? Really to, to have that difficult conversation with the insured on, you know, making sure that they're not going to use you. I'm um, kind of like the police of the incumbent agent, making sure they don't give the incumbent agent a last look that they're not going to share your quote, if you will. Sure hope so. Sure hope so. Because if the agent gets a last look, you're kind of dead in the water. Number 15, implementation of services in exchange for the broker of record letter or to further relationship building. Implementation of services in exchange for the BOR. If you're having a conversation with the insured, the prospect, in order for them to give you a broker of record letter you're going to have to give them some kind of service now. What services will you give them now? I bet you probably haven't really thought about it much. Is there some kind of service or list of services that you would provide to the insured immediately upon signing the broker of record letter? I would say there probably needs to be. Why else would they sign a broker of record letter if there is no immediate point that you're helping them with? And so I would tell you it's absolutely essential for you to have a list of services that you will implement immediately in exchange for the broker of record letter. I'm just telling you you get better at that 1% a week. 1% a week. Imagine how much better you'd be in selling insurance. The 16th one we talked recently about is putting together a superior submission to the carriers rather than a bare submission. I mean, could you get better at that 1% a week? Hopefully, you can get even you know, better at it a whole lot quicker than 1% a week. But imagine how just doing that one thing is going to change your overall success ratio and your relationship with your underwriters that then is going to include getting uh, better quotes and having a much better success ratio in the sales process. So putting together a superior submission to the carriers rather than a bare submission is probably one of the more important things that you can do. Number 17, consistent communication to the insured during downtime during the quoting process. Consistent communication with the insured during the quoting process. What do I mean by that? Well, let's say you meet with um, a prospect 60 days before they come up with a renewal, before they come up for renewal. You probably, uh, you know, you're meeting with them two months before the renewal date. You might meet with them, let's just say it's, you know, a few days before the renewal date. We'll call it a week, whatever it is. So there's all that time in between when you first met with them up until the point in which you have the proposal. That's that downtime. What are you doing, what are you utilizing during the downtime in order to better your position? What kind of emails are you sending to them? What kind of value? Any particular services that you could offer to them during that downtime to show them what it's like to do business with you, to um, kind of whet their appetite of you know, what they would be missing out if they don't do business with you? Man, I bet there's probably a lot that you could do. So having a consistent communication plan during the downtime of the quoting process with your prospect is very, very important. Could you get better at that 1% a day so that a year from now you're 50% better at that communication? How would that impact your book of business? Number 18, when do you want to propose your quotes to the insured? In other words, you get your quotes, you put your proposal together, how far in advance of the actual renewal date do you want to propose to the insured? I would tell you this is definitely a sticking point for insurance buyers. They hate when agents show up last minute, yet at the same time, I also understand why insurance agents want to show up last minute. If I was a competing agent, the last thing I would ever want to do is propose my quotes before the incumbent agent has already given the insured the renewal quotes. Tough. If the insured hasn't going to give, isn't giving me the signed broker of record letter, I'm not going to give them their quotes in advance of the incumbent agent giving those renewal quotes to them. It puts you in, in, in very much a difficult position if you're showing up at first because it's quite likely, even though the insured might not be thinking about it, even though they're not planning to be sort of underhanded, if an incumbent agent is savvy enough, which hopefully many of you guys probably are, I would ask, I would probably call the insured, you know, at the time in which I'm planning to come and propose to them, say, Hey, you know what? I want to come on Wednesday at nine. I want to go over maybe some of the, the quotes that I've gotten. You know, out of curiosity, have you received anything else from any other agents? I'm gonna ask that because if they do, I'm gonna say, hey, send it over. I just want to make sure that I really kind of show up with the best quote I possibly can. I'm going to ask it that way, or maybe even a different way. But I'm definitely going to make sure that I am in the the proposal stage at a place that's going to put me in a stronger position. Now, it's hard to actually begin to navigate. That is a sticky situation. I don't necessarily think that there is one way that's always best. Each situation is different. But what I'm saying is that, can you get 1% better at it every single week so that you're 50% better at figuring out that process a year from now? I do think you can. Number 19. Asking for the final sale. Again, the insured must be willing to fire the incumbent for you to win. How good are you right now at asking for the sale? I'll tell you, even again, many insurance agents probably don't do a very good job at this. Here's what I mean by that. Insurance agents will show up with their proposal. They might go through it with their, uh, with their insured face-to-face, which you absolutely better be doing that. I can tell you your your win percentage goes down dramatically if you think you're going to do it virtually or just email it over to them. You better be face-to-face. But when even they are face-to-face and they go through their presentation, they go through the proposal, normally what insurance agents say is something like this. Well, Bob, what do you think? (laughs) You know what Bob's thinking at that time? I don't know what I think. You just went through this entire thing, and it, you know, I don't really understand what it's all saying, and you know, it's it's speaking French when I only understand English. So I guess I'm probably just going to have to think about it a little bit. Um, you know, and by the way, I don't even have my quotes from my uh, incumbent agent yet. So I guess I'm just going to sit on it. Uh, you know, give me some time to think about it. That's normally what happens. You have to get really good at asking for the sale. You have to be able to press. I'm not saying that we are trying to bend and make the insured do something that they 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 probably wouldn't want to do. Yet at the same time, you better get better at persuasion. You got to ask for the final sale. You got to be willing to do it. You got to tell them here's the piece of paper that you sign. The deposit check needs to be ten thousand three hundred seventy-two. Make that out to such and such. I mean, you, you better actually like be forward-thinking on what you're going to say. Here's number twenty, the final one. Negotiation strategies with underwriters before awarding them the business. Man, we talked about that one in the last couple of uh, episodes. That is number 20. Imagine if you could get better at negotiating with the underwriters before awarding them the business. 1% better at that every single week. Every single week. So that you are 50% better at that whole process by the time one year goes by. How much better would you be in your sales process, if you got 1% better at just one of those 20 every single week? How much better could you be if you got 1% better at maybe two or three of those every single week? But here's one thing that I definitely know, is that you will not get better if you don't practice. You will not get better if you don't do some reps. It's kind of like batting in baseball. You can read a book on it, but until you actually step in the batter's box, you know, and you're staring down a pitcher who's throwing 90 miles an hour, whatever it is, you're just not gonna get better at, at uh batting just by reading from a book. You gotta be able to hold the bat in your hand. You gotta be able to swing it. You gotta be able to to figure out how to stay back on a curveball. Like there's all these things that come into play. So you just gotta get some reps. And so I would tell you that in order for you to actually get much better at it, you got to really start being proactive at it. You need to learn. You need to have education. You need to really start thinking from this from a forward perspective on where do I want to be one year from now. Wouldn't it be a shame for a year to go by? And now you're looking back at where you were at a year ago and thinking, you know what? Man, I really haven't grown much as a salesperson. I didn't do anything. I really didn't um, try and better myself at overcoming objections. I didn't better myself at my value differentiation. I didn't really put in implementation anything when it came down to um, negotiating with underwriters. I still put out a bare bones submission. T- could you imagine like how upset you would be with yourself right now if you could somehow look forward a year from now and realize that you didn't do any of this? What can you do to just get one percent better? I think a lot. I think there's a lot you can do every single day to just get 1% better per week. But 1% better per week would mean that you are 50% better at being a salesperson who can win business one year from now. And that's only 1% a week. What if you could get 2% a week? A year from now, you'd be twice the salesperson you are. 100% growth twice the person you are a year from now in regards to being a salesperson. Effective at closing business, winning business. Again, if we just take that percentage into a dollar amount, I mean, instead of writing 100000 you could write 200000 Instead of writing 50 you're writing $100,000. Whatever it is, you're just getting better at closing business. You're getting better at setting appointments. You're getting better at having them award you the carriers you want. You're just getting better at winning business. You're getting better at asking for the broker of record letter. You're getting better at being awarded the broker of record letter. You are getting better. If you don't handle your personal development, you are an amateur. And amateurs only make enough money to pay the bills, and they don't make a lot in life. Have you ever, by the way, as I now close this, have you ever gone and actually checked out the 12X Commission Mastermind? I want you to go to the 12x.club, 12x.club, or just go to brokerofrecordletter.com. And I want you to check out The Mastermind. This is where I'm teaching all of these things, these 20 that I went through as well as a lot of the others, about what you need to do piece by piece by piece in order to actually get better. You would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't check it out. You would be doing yourself a tremendous disservice if you did not join. I'm telling you, not just because it's mine, but because I know how much value is there. And I know how much value the producers have been getting out of it. How much more business they're writing. How much better they're getting at uh, winning Broker of Record Letters. How much better they're getting at quoting and being awarded the business. All of these things are being taught. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't have a small investment in yourself in order to achieve enormous growth. BrokerofRecordLetter.com. I advise you to go and check it out. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. My name is Charles Specht. I am the host of the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast.